The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you're a first-time visitor, just I just want you to know I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I want to welcome a couple of groups of people, our first-time visitors, and also those of you who are listening online. You know, I, I found out this week that on a monthly basis, we have 2,000 people that are listening to the messages coming out of New Song. Isn't that awesome? And what's cool is they're, they're all across the world, uh, Tokyo, Japan, Africa, people all over the world are listening to what's coming out of this church. I think that's really exciting and really cool. So New Song, would you, uh, would you do me a favor and help me to welcome all of them right now? Let's give them a hand. Well, today we're starting a new series called You Ask For It. And if you're new to New Song, how we like to do things is we like to teach through what is called a series. And there's a lots of different ways that you can, you can teach the word, but we like to do series here. And what we do in a series is we'll take a, we'll take a subject, uh, we'll take a concept, we'll take an idea, we might even take a, a, a chapter out of the Bible, and we'll spend four to six weeks just kind of studying that and looking at that. And, and what I'll do is I'll just let the Holy Spirit speak to me, and then I come in and I kind of show you guys what God's been speaking to me. We call that a series. Uh, now this series in particular is interesting because you're kind of in charge of this one. Uh, we, we said about a month ago that we, we wanted you to fill out these cards and to ask some questions, and then we're building this series around the questions that you guys have asked. And you guys asked some really good questions. And so for the next four to six weeks or so, actually probably be more like six to seven weeks, we're going to be answering some of the questions that you guys ask because you ask for it. We're going to be talking about stuff like stress. We're going to be talking about stuff like the end of the world. We're going to be talking about sex and sexuality. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. And here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you when we're talking about what. And here's why. I just want you to show up every week. I want you to come in. I want you to be surprised and, and just be ready for it. So don't miss a week of this series it's going to be well worth your while, all right? So today, I want to start off this series by talking about probably the most asked question uh, thematically. If we were to take a lot of the questions that were asked and break them down to a main theme, it would be the question that I'm going to be answering today, which is this, how do I deal with difficult people? Anybody have any difficult people in your life this morning? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. How many of you are sitting beside the difficult person? No, don't raise your hand to that. Wow, wow. We all have difficult people in our life, right? We all have people that, that cause life to sometimes feel a little frustrating, be a little aggravating. Sometimes we are a little bit easily offended and get a little bit easily aggravated with the people around us. And, and so how do we deal with these difficult people, these, di these people that can drive us nuts, these people that can push our buttons, these people that can sometimes be controlling and manipulative in our life? Uh, the people in our life that, that sometimes like to play mind games and get our emotions in a rise. How do we deal with these people in our life? What do we do? Well, as I start off this morning, I think there's a lot of different groups of types of different difficult people that we could probably, if we, if we spent the rest of the service just kind of trying to figure out all the different types of, of people, we could probably spend the whole service just talking about how many kinds of difficult people there are. But, but I kind of tried to break it down into what I think is six groups that kind of encompass what are the broad 
all difficult people that we have to deal with, okay? So I want to just encourage you today, this is going to be a really practical message this morning, all right? So get out your notepads, get out your iPhones, get out whatever it is, and take lots of notes, because I really believe God's going to help you today. But as we start, I want to look at six different groups of difficult people that we all have to deal with in our life, all right? The first group is the demanding person. The demanding person. This is the little dictators that we can have in our life. These are the people that can be bossy, they can be a little pushy, uh, they're controlling, they're intimidating, they like to dominate the conversation, they like to push their will on other people. Uh, Anytime you're with them, it kind of feels like there's a power struggle. Anybody can relate to this kind of person? It feels like they're always trying to get their way, trying to make things, make, have you see things their way, have you, they're, they're, they're a demanding person, and a demanding person is a difficult person, right? Here's the second one, the disapproving person, the disapproving person, this is the second group of people, disapproving person, they are, they're the nitpickers, they're picky, and, and, and in, in life they, they tend to be negative, they tend to be judgmental, they're highly critical of you, they, they love to point out your mistakes, they love to point out where you maybe didn't miss, maybe miss the mark a little bit, didn't, didn't quite rise up to their standard of how they would do things. Uh, mother-in-laws tend to fall into this category. No matter how hard you try, it seems like you can't please this person. Uh, these are the disapproving person, and they can be difficult. There is the deafening person. Now, when I talk about a deafening person, I don't mean this is a, a loud person. I mean, this is a person who likes to talk and likes to talk and they will wear you out with their talk. This is the person that when you're, when you're hanging out with them, uh, it just feels like you're not really having a conversation. They just are talking. And when you're talking, it's just like, they're just waiting for you to shut up so they can talk more. Anybody relate to me here? This is the person that if you get them on the phone, um, you can literally just put the phone down and go do the laundry and give the kids a bath and tuck the kids in and reshingle the roof and whatever. And, and you can come back and pick up the phone and they won't even know that you're gone because they love to talk and they wear you out with their talk. They will talk and talk and talk until you wave the white flag and just say, whatever you want, just shut up, right? This is the deafening person and the deafening person can be a difficult person. There's the destructive person, the destructive person. This is the person who gets angry really easily. And, and they're kind of like a volcano. When they get angry, they can explode. And when they explode, there's this hot lava that comes out and it does damage to people around them. They get angry and there's destruction all around them. There's destruction in relationships. There's destruction in the history of their life. Uh, they're the kind of people that when you're around them, you feel like you kind of got to walk on eggshells because you don't want to set them off. You don't want to do anything that they might you know, see as being something that could bring them to anger because you don't want to have to deal with the anger that they, they have that's pinned up inside of them. That's the destructive person. Number five is the delicate person. The delicate person. Now, this is a different kind of person, but I, I bet you can relate to this person. This is the person that they get their, their feelings hurt real easily. You, you could just say the slightest little thing and it could cause them to have six months of struggle and you have no idea that this would even bother them. They, they tend to take your words and weigh them really heavily. They, they, they're, they're delicate. They have real thin skin. Everything seems to bother them and they like to whine and they like to complain and they, and they, and, and they, they kind of get their way by, by, by whining and being kind of you know, sensitive, ultra sensitive. This is the delicate person, and they can be a difficult person to deal with. There's the demeaning person. 
The demeaning person, number six. This is uh, the people in our lives that can be smart mouths. They're the ones who are always running off at the mouth. They're, they're rude and they're insulting and they're sarcastic with the things that they say. And, and they like to burst people's bubbles. They like to bring you back down to size is kind of how they'll put it sometimes. Uh, they like to tear your dreams down and deflate you. And, and they are demeaning to you in your life. Now, as I talk about these six different groups of people, you can probably relate. In fact, you're probably sitting here and you're categorizing some of the people in your life with these different types of people. And maybe some of the people in your life fall into a couple of categories. Sometimes they're delicate, but then they can explode on you. And so they're demeaning, but they're also, you know, they fall into these couple of different categories. And so how do we deal with these types of people? Because we all have them. Some of us uh, deal with them in the workplace. Some of us deal with them in our marriage. How do we deal? How do we walk with grace, how do we walk with peace with these people who can be difficult in our life? Well, that's what I want to look at today. I'm going to give you five things this morning that will help you to, to walk in peace and to not allow difficult people to control your life this morning. All right? So here's number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, you have to refuse to be offended. Refuse to be offended. Can I get an amen? amen. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter how they act, we are going to refuse as Christians, we're going to refuse to take an offense. We're going to refuse to be offended. Now, here's something that will help you, I think, if you're someone who tends to get easily offended. One of the things you need to realize about these difficult people in your life is that sometimes when they're difficult in our life, we find ourselves kind of looking at ourselves. I'm not saying it's never bad to look at yourself and realize if you might be a part of the problem. But most of the time, with these difficult people, it is not a reflection of who you are at all. What you're dealing with is a reflection of who they are. It's not, it's not you. It may be that you did nothing wrong. It's just who they are that you're dealing with. And so here's what God tells us to do with this. He tells us when people are offensive, when people are difficult, when they, cause you to, when they do things that could cause you to take an offense, here's what you're supposed to do. Ignore it. Ignore it. I'll show you this in the Bible. Proverbs 12 or 16 says this. When a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. What does a fool do when he gets annoyed? When somebody annoys him, he lets it be known. He, he fights back. He, he lets other people around him know, no, boy, this offended me. I'm annoyed. This bothers me. If that's you, the Bible just said you're a fool. Look at what a wise person does. It goes on to say, a wise people will ignore an insult. When someone is critical of you, when someone criticizes you, when someone does something to you that a difficult person does something that you don't like, how do you respond? Do you respond, if, they're, if they do something that makes me angry, I'm going to do something to make them angry. If they insult me, I'm going to insult them. Listen, according to the scriptures, if that's what you do, you're no better than they are. You're a fool. But Proverbs says, fools show their annoyance at once. In other words, a fool just gives back what they get. But a wise person, what do they do? Wise people ignore an insult. Here's something worth writing down if you're taking notes this morning. This is something important you need to realize. Emotional and spiritual maturity is largely determined by how you treat those who mistreat you. Emotional and spiritual maturity is largely determined by how you treat those who mistreat you. And one of the keys to life, and I'm not saying this is the only key, but one of the keys to life that we need to develop as Christians, that we need to develop as people, is to not be so easily offended. You know, we live in a world today where people just get offended so easily. 
I mean, you see it all the time on social media and in the news that, you know, somebody has a different political view or whatever, and we just get offended, and we're in an uproar, and it's just so offensive to us. But that's not who God's called us to be as Christians. In fact, if that's you, if you're here today and you feel like God is saying, hey, listen, maybe you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart a little bit right now, and you're realizing, maybe I'm the kind of person that takes an offense a lot. If that's you, here's a prayer for you. I would add this to your daily prayer time. In fact, this is a good prayer for everybody in here, right? Add this to your daily quiet time. God, give me a tender heart and a tough hide. God, give me a tender heart and a tough hide. Because, you know, the world wants to give you just the opposite. The world wants you to be thin-skinned and have a tough heart, have a hard heart. That's what the world will do to you. That's what Satan will do to you. Everything offends you, but your heart is hard to really caring about other people. God wants us to be just the opposite. But listen, how we develop that is not just on our own. It's not just wanting to do that. We do this by the power of the Holy Spirit, by inviting who Jesus called the helper to come alongside of us and to speak into our life and direct us, direct us to walk in this kind of attitude where we have, we have a tough hide, where we can deal with some of the problems of this world, but our heart is soft towards people. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is he wants to help you in these situations when you're dealing with difficult people to look beyond the behavior that somebody may be throwing at you and to, to see the pain that's behind the behavior. Because, you know, there's always something behind it. In fact, everything that is done in this world is done out of some form of a motivation. Uh, everything is motivated by something. When people are hurting other people, a lot of times it's because they are hurting themselves. In fact, here's a, here's a great phrase for you. Hurt people hurt people. People who are hurting tend to hurt other people. Uh, there, there's, a, there's an old saying, misery loves company, and it really is true. People that are hurting... Sometimes what they want to do is they want other people to experience what they're experiencing. So they want to kind of reflect that onto other people around them. But what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to come inside of you and he wants to direct your heart in such a way that when people do this kind of stuff to you, his wisdom rises up inside of you and speaks to you and helps you to see beyond what they're doing to what may be causing them to do what it is that they're doing. You guys follow me? Uh, a few years ago, I was, in, uh, I was sitting at a red light. And you know how it is. Like you're at a red light and you get out your phone sometimes and you're looking at your phone and you get kind of caught up in, you know, whatever you're doing on your phone and you, the light turns green and you, did, you didn't realize it. Somebody honks at you. Anybody ever that happened to you? Okay, you guys shouldn't be doing that, but you do. It's happened to me before, but, but listen, this was not one of those cases, okay? I was sitting at this light and I did not even have my phone out. I was sitting there waiting for the light to turn green, watching the light. The light turns green and I begin to pull through the intersection. And I mean, I maybe, maybe waited two seconds. I mean, no, no hesitation at all. Well, all of a sudden behind me, the guy behind me just starts laying on the horn. And so I look in the rearview mirror and I see this guy behind me and he's just like raging out and hitting the horn. I'm just like, dude, I'm going, like, what's your problem? He pulls up beside me and he starts talking to me. But he, you know, you can tell his words are not, hey, God bless you. There's something else. And, and he, he, he lets me know that I'm number one and he's, he's you know, proud of me. And he drives around me and goes flying up this, this on-ramp. And, you know, I'm a human being, people, right? I'm a pastor, but I'm a human being. And when someone does this to me, there's a part of me that goes, I'm going to ram you. <laughs> the good thing for me was that morning I had actually just come from my quiet time. <laughs> this is why you need to have quiet time, people. It'll save you a lot of road rage. 
So just had my quiet time. So, you know, I'm a little mad, but, but I, I, you know, I'm going to push that down a little bit. And then I, I really, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And, and he just kind of threw a question at me. And the question got me thinking. He said, what do you think could possibly be causing that guy to be acting like that? And, and as he said that, I just began to unpack in my mind scenarios that maybe this guy's dealing with in his life. You know, maybe, maybe he's under some tremendous financial stress. He, maybe he's on the verge of bankruptcy. His business is not doing good, and he's got this tremendous financial stress he's dealing with. Maybe he's just coming from having sat in a hospital room all night, and now he's heading to work for the day. But he's been in the hospital room with his wife, who has cancer. He's been holding her hand, dealing with the pain that she's dealing with. Maybe he's on his way to a job interview. He lost his job just a few months ago. And he has a family, he has kids and a wife. He's trying to support them and he's a little bit late for this interview. And, and so now he's, he's just up in arms because he's got to get there. He's trying to support his family. See, I, I don't know the whole story. And I found myself as I was thinking about this to start to pray for this guy. Now hear me, I'm not telling you like Josh is such an amazing guy. Like that is not my point here. Because my initial reaction, my flesh when it rose up, it was like, I'm going to shank this dude. That's my flesh. But because I had spent time with the, with, in the word of God, and I had invited the Holy Spirit into my day, he was able to bring the spirit of God into that situation, which, was a, which helped me to see beyond what the guy did to what may be causing him to do what he does. You guys follow me? And, and we need this in our life. You know, Maybe we don't know about the fight that that person just had with their spouse this morning. We don't know about what they may be dealing with financially. We don't know about, maybe they were abused growing up. Maybe they had people speak words over their life as they were children. Maybe they were molested. We don't know what is going on in their life. But we as Christians can extend them grace. And I believe God wants to use us in those situations to instead of getting angry and reacting like they do, to pray for them and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to minister to them. The Bible says this in Proverbs 19 verse 11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to, say this with me, New Song Church, overlook an offense. It's to our glory to overlook an offense. Wisdom gives us patience when we invite the Holy Spirit in. He can help us to see the bigger problem. We had a situation uh, with a person that was serving with me in ministry at one point where this person uh, had, had began to work with me in, in ministry. And they, when they first started serving, they were awesome. They were amazing. They were doing such a great job. But as, as time went on, there was a few holes in, you know, kind of how they led that, I, that they couldn't see that I could see. And so I went to them to talk to them about the pro, some of the problems that I was seeing in, in them. And uh, it didn't make things better. In fact, it seems like after this conversation, things just got worse. Just went from not so good to really bad. And they started dropping the ball more. They started seeming like they wanted nothing to do with, with me anymore. They wanted nothing to do with Sarah, my wife, anymore. Uh, and, and then I actually found out that they were kind of talking behind our back and saying things about us to the point that it, it, it became very clear. I, I've got to let this person go. I've got to let them, you know, pu push them out of leadership. They can't continue to serve in this unhealthy place. And you got to know something, guys. I, I'm a pastor. And the reason I do this is because I love people. It's not because I'm, I guess, some ego trip or I'm trying to be mean or whatever. I, I don't like, you know, having to do things like that. And so I was laying in bed one night and I was just kind of praying and thinking about the situation with this person and, and remembering what they were like at the beginning and where they were now. And I was just saying, Lord, 
what happened? Like, what, what is going on with this person? What happened to get them to this place? And as I was praying or kind of thinking about it, I just felt the Holy Spirit just say, why don't you really ask me what happened? And so I said, okay, Holy Spirit, what, what happened here? And God began to unpack uh, to me some things in this person's life. He kind of showed me some things that had happened in them. And what he told me was they've been rejected their whole life. From the time they were a child to this time, people that were supposed to love them continually rejected them over and over again. And because of that, it developed within them a spirit of rejection. And now it, it, it has become a defense mechanism for them. Rather than be rejected, they reject other people. And so when, when I came to them, when we came to them and said, hey, there's some things that you need to improve on, they didn't see that as love and us trying to help them and try to help them get better. They saw it as rejection. And so what did they do? They began to reject. And they brought on themselves exactly what it was that they were the most afraid of. It was this vicious cycle in their life. And so I, I met with this person a few days later, sat him down and began to talk to him. And I said, hey, God showed me what the deal is here. And so I began to talk to her, this person about what had happened. And they began to cry, and their eyes filled up with tears. And they looked at me, and they just said, you're exactly right. And I was able to help them to start taking some steps to find freedom so that they would quit having this cycle go on in their life that was hurting them so much. Here's my point in all this. We don't know what we don't know sometimes. And maybe the reason that that person is being so destructive, is being so offensive in your life, is because there's some kind of offense that, they're, that they've received, that they've, they've received into their life that's causing them to act this way. So what do we do? We refuse to take an offense. That's what we do. And we choose to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us to be able to walk in love and to see beyond the behavior to what may be causing the behavior. That's number one. Number two, here's number two. You're taking notes, write this down. Forgive before they apologize. Forgive before they apologize. Maybe you're in here today and, and you know that you're supposed to forgive people. You know it's pretty clear in scripture because it is. And, and so your, your mentality is, okay, I'm going to forgive them. As soon as they say they're sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this go. I've made up that decision. I'm going to forgive them. Just as soon as they come and apologize to me, I will forgive them. Well, here's the problem with that. You're holding on to hurt. And here's the other problem with that. This is a truth you need to realize they may never say they're sorry. So what are you going to do? You're just going to keep holding on to that hurt? To the person who may never come to you and say, hey, I messed up, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done to you. When you do that, you're holding yourself as a prisoner. There's an old saying, I've heard it, you've probably heard it before, that goes like this, holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting it to poison the other person. How many of you know, it don't work that way. I can't drink poison and hope that it kills Josh Romano. It doesn't work that way. I don't want to kill you, okay? I'm not offended by you. I love you. Yes. But, but it doesn't work that way. We, we can't, we can't we're, we're only hurting ourselves when we hold on to this stuff. And so what we have to do as Christians is we have to say, I'm making up my mind that I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to make this decision to forgive them. I'm going to make this decision to let it go. Whether or not they apologize or not, I'm going to choose to forgive them. And by doing so, we're extending the same kind of grace and forgiveness that was extended to us by Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 says this. It tells us this is exactly what we're supposed to do. It says this, you must make allowance for each other's faults. That word make allowance there comes from a Greek word that means to bear with, to endure, to be tolerant. Basically, it means cut them some slack. We're to cut people some slack, those that have hurt us. 
forgive those person, forgive the person who offends us. It goes on to say, remember, the Lord forgave you. Talking about Jesus, so you must forgive others. You know, Jesus modeled the most beautiful picture of forgiveness at the most extreme, extreme moment. Remember, Jesus was hanging on a cross, and he'd been beaten and bruised and spit on and mocked. And he's hanging on a cross, nails driven through his hands and his feet, hanging there, hanging above the people that just did this to him. And what does he say? Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Now notice two things that, are, that, that you can see out of that statement. Number one, did they ask for forgiveness? No, they did not. And yet he offers forgiveness. They didn't ask for forgiveness. No one was down there going, God, we, we blew it, sorry. He just forgave them. He forgave them before they asked for forgiveness. Second thing is he says, they don't know what they're doing. And you know, this is something you need to realize. Some of the people that hurt you sometimes in life, some of the people that are difficult in your life, they don't even know they're doing it. You, if you came and talked to them about it, they would be like, oh, I didn't even know this was bothering you. I had no idea that, that my, my personality or whatever was causing you to, to feel this way. But we need to cut some people some slack the same way that Jesus cut us some slack and he cut us some slack. Realize this today, my friends, the people that were down there that had beaten and bruised and caused Jesus to hang on that cross, we're those people. We're those people. That's why I went to the cross to forgive our sins. Our sins, his love put him on the cross because he loved us, but our sins are the reason he had to go there to, to pay for the, our sins. So we're a part of that. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Pastor Josh, I hear what you're saying and I've tried and it ain't working. In fact, this was a question. I've tried to forgive somebody. I've tried to, to let this go, but I just, I just can't seem to get over it. I just can't seem to move past it. You don't know what they've done. You don't know how painful it is. And I want you to know, I'm not trying to pretend like I do because I don't know what they've done. I probably cannot relate to some of the hurt in this room today at all, but I know who can. Jesus can. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can empower you to forgive that person and to move on past what they've done. Realize this this morning, forgiveness is not a feeling. See, some people struggle with forgiveness because we make the decision to forgive somebody, but then we, we struggle because we don't feel any different. But forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. Write that down this morning. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. And what you do is you make the decision and the feelings follow. And it may not happen right away, but we choose to forgive somebody. And just because the feeling comes back doesn't mean that you didn't necessarily forgive them. It just means you're still dealing with some of the hurt and some of the consequences of that. So you invite the Holy Spirit in and say, Lord, only you can heal my heart. So I invite you in to do that. I invite you in to minister to my heart. Help me to move past this. And I'm telling you from my own experience, there will be a day that you go, you, you just quit thinking about it. You move completely past it. You know, that's one of the ways you know that you completely move past it is all of a sudden you just go, wait, I haven't thought about that in a long time. And I've been there. I've had people do things that hurt me. And I just made the decision. And I made the decision. I kept making the decision. I'm forgiven. Pray over that person. As hard as that may be, you pray over that person. You start to do these things and it's amazing how all of a sudden the, the, the walls in our heart begin to just break down. God softens our heart and we're able to move on past what they're doing. Now, understand this. Um, true forgiveness doesn't deny justice. Here's what, here's what we're saying when we forgive somebody. We're not saying that we're not denying justice. We're putting justice into the hands of the just judge. We're trusting justice to God and saying, that's, that's not my place. 
We're giving it over to him. And that kind of feeds us into this third point this morning. Uh, We are to forgive those that hurt us before they apologize, but also realize this. Here's number three. Don't cave in. Refuse to cave in. Refuse to cave in. In dealing with difficult people, understand you don't have to give in to the destructive behavior in your life. God hasn't called us as Christians to be doormats in, in this effort to walk in love to allow people to to do things to hurt us, to continue to hurt us, to continue to hurt our families, to cause chaos in our life. That's not what God has called us to. That's not not what we're supposed to do. See, there's a big difference between forgiveness and trust. And and here, let me give you a definition. Forgiveness is instant and it comes by grace. Forgiveness is instant and comes by grace. But, But trust takes time and is earned by actions or works. Forgiveness is, is by grace. It's not, it's unmerited. Grace is unmerited favor. It's something that we give that that person doesn't necessarily deserve. But trust, listen, that's not the same thing. You don't have to trust somebody that's continually hurting you. You shouldn't hurt. You shouldn't trust somebody that's continuing to hurt you. Forgiveness is a decision, but reconciliation is a longer process. Let me give you an illustration here. Uh, imagine a woman is married to her husband, and her husband comes home one night, and he's in a drunken stupor, and he comes home, and he's an angry drunk, and he begins to abuse his wife and beat her. And, and, and he does this to the point that she has to call the cops and have him arrested, rightfully so. <laughs> and, and listen, if you're a woman in this place today, and you have a man in your life that is abusing you physically in any way, his butt needs to be in jail. Amen? Amen. Amen. You don't have to put up with that. That's wrong. That is not acceptable behavior at all. And and you're not being a good Christian by allowing that to go on. You hear me? It's not okay. So so he goes to jail. He gets out of jail. And he comes home and he says, Hun, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. I should have never done that. Please forgive me. Well, as a Christian, she needs to forgive him. She needs to offer him forgiveness for what he's done. And so she says, okay, I I forgive you. I forgive you for what you did. And he says, thank you so much. Now, can I move back into the house? The answer is no. No. Why? Because he has broken trust. And the trust that he has broken is not just immediately given back. He needs to earn that trust back. He needs to go do some stuff. He needs to go to counseling. He needs to get his act together and prove. And, and you don't have to sit under that continual destructive behavior. Because listen, if, he do, if he'll do it again if he doesn't get the right kind of help. He needs to get some counseling. He needs to get some help. You don't do things like that without having some serious issues in your life. And so she doesn't have to trust him. She doesn't have to allow him back in. He needs to prove himself to her. He needs to win back trust. There's a big difference between the two. You guys follow me? So that's, that's, forgiveness is instant. Trust is earned through actions and times. For, forgiveness does not mean you forget or you become a doormat with no boundaries. He has to be held accountable and take steps to change what he's done. All right? You say, well, well Pastor Josh, you just said that, you know, we're, we're, to, we're to forgive people. And it isn't being a Christian, isn't part of being a Christian that we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be meek. Well, yes, we are, but I, I think a lot of people, sometimes we misinterpret what meek is to be weak. And meek and weak are not the same thing. Uh, in fact, I was studying this this week. The word meek uh, w- came from how they used to break horses back in the day. They would, take a, they would take a stallion, they would take a powerful horse, and they would put it through this process, breaking that horse so that it could be used. 
and, and, and be used for the master's work, to pull buggies and, and to be ridden and, and to do work around the ranch or whatever it was. So they would break this horse. And once that horse was broken, they would say, that horse is now meek. Now, let me ask you this. Is that horse any less powerful than it was before? No, not at all. What has happened? The, the power has been harnessed for the master's use. You see what I'm saying? This is what God does in our life. We're meek. That doesn't mean we're any less powerful. We're just, the power that's inside of us is used for the master's use. It's harnessed for the good of what God has called us to do. That's who we're called to be. I'm still a strong person under the control of the masters. You don't have to cave into difficult people in an effort to be loving. God has called you to be meek, not weak. So refuse to cave in. Here's number four. Refuse to play their game. Refuse to play their game. Difficult people love to argue, right? They love to get into debates. They love to bring up stuff that gets you going. They love to bring up old conversations and all this stuff. And I think sometimes we think when we're dealing with a difficult person, if I can just reason with them, if I can just get my point across to them the right way, then we'll help them to see the light and they'll change and they'll say, oh, thank you for helping me to understand where I've been wrong all these years. I, I receive it. Here's the problem though. Difficult people, the people that are acting difficult or acting like this, they didn't come to that decision based on reason. They came to who they are based on emotions. And we're trying to use reason to break them from some of the emotions that they need to deal with that need to come under the word of God and be surrendered to Jesus Christ. So you can't reason with these kind of people. You can't talk them out of behavior they didn't talk themselves into. And there's a lot of examples of this in scripture, a lot of examples of these no-nonsense kind of people in the Bible who, who didn't mess around, who didn't play games. And I think one of the greatest examples is that of Jesus. And think about Jesus. Jesus had this group of people around him called the Pharisees. And if you study the story of Jesus, man, these people were always nitpicking. These were some of the most difficult people ever. Imagine a group of difficult people that have dedicated their life to try to make you look bad. That's what the Pharisees were. They were trying, they were coming together as a team to try to find ways to make Jesus look bad, to try to get him into something that would, that would call him into question or call his calling into question or undermine his authority. They were working on this constantly. And what did Jesus do? Most of the time, he just ignored him. Didn't even pay any attention to him. In fact, when Jesus was going to the cross, he was brought before this guy named Pilate. And he started asking him all these questions, these, these kind of big questions to get him into this debate. He, he asked him questions like, so they say that you're the king of the Jews. He asked him, so what is truth? He asked him the question, what is truth? He asked him, who, who are you really? And, and the Bible says this, Jesus says in Matthew 27, 14, Jesus made no response to any of the charges. Jesus was just, was just silent. He didn't, he didn't get into it because he realized this isn't a conversation. This isn't a real conversation. He's just trying to back me into a corner. He's just trying to make me look bad. He's just trying to, and this isn't worth having this conversation. So he just, he just ignored it, didn't pay any attention to it. And realize that sometimes we just got to refuse to play the game with these people. Don't buy into the game. Don't play into their hands. Don't give them what they want. Just refuse to play the game. And here's number five. Always take the high road. Always take the high road. Always do the right thing. Whether they do it or not, we're, all, we're, all, we're always, always, always as, as Christians, we're always going to do the right thing. If they insult you, you treat them with kindness. If they are unloving towards you, you are still loving towards them. If they are resentful to you, you are forgiving to them. If they're mean to you, you will be nice to them. You always take the high ground no matter what the difficult person is doing. You've got to understand something this morning. You cannot control other people. 
You realize that, right? Turn to the person beside you and say, I can't control other people. Turn to the other person and say, I can't control you. You can't control other people. People are going to be mean. People are going to say things that are mean. People are going to do stuff that's difficult, that's hard to deal with. You can't control them. But you know what you can control? You can control you. And you can control how you respond to what it is that they do. And you can respond in a grace-filled, Christ-like way. In Romans chapter 12, we kind of have this, this book that, in fact, I'd encourage you this week to read Romans 12. It's kind of a chapter all about how to deal with difficult people. Romans 12 verse 14, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse those who persecute you. You know, that's, that's love right there. That's really love. You know, it's easy to love people who are lovable, right? It's easy to love people like you. It's easy to love people like me because I'm cool, right? I'm lovable. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> but sometimes it's hard to love people that are unloving. But that's, that's real love. That's what Jesus showed us. He's willing to love the people who didn't deserve it. Now, hear me, I'm not saying that you're backing down. I'm not saying that you're caving in. You're not playing their game, but you're also not fighting fire with fire. You're, you're standing strong and responding with love. That's real love. Verse, 18, or verse 17 and 18 says this in Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now look at verse 18. If it is possible. You can circle that word if if you have a real Bible or highlight that if. It is possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. I think the word if is in there because it's not always going to be possible. But as far as you are concerned, you're going to do everything within your power, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to do what you can to walk in peace with other people. So that someday you can stand before God and you say, God, I tried. I tried to reconcile this. They wouldn't allow it, but I tried. I did everything I knew to do. And I believe God will still look at you and say, I know you did. Well done and good and faithful servant. We do the best we can, even if we can't completely fix it. That's not on us. We can't control them. Verse 20, uh, do not, or verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, repay says the Lord. Who will repay? The Lord, God will. So we trust justice to God. And listen, God is a God of justice. People who do wrong will, will be accountable for what they do. They will be accountable for it, but we give it to God. Verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals onto his head. In other words, we let the Holy Spirit work through us. And as, as these people do these things and they expect a normal reaction based on some of the stuff they do, they're gonna see the reaction that comes from a place of the love of Jesus Christ. And when they see that, it's going to hopefully minister, open them up to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit to draw them towards conviction and change. God can use you to do that in people's life. So how do we do this? Verse 21, or, or, let me read verse 21 first and then we'll, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, this is easy to say. It's easy to kind of talk about it, kind of. But it's a lot easier said than done, right? It's, it's not always easy to do some of these things. It's not always easy to refuse to be offended. It's not always easy to forgive before they apologize, to refuse to cave in, to refuse to play their game, to always take the high ground. Always? That's hard, right? It's not always easy. But when we do this, here's what God says. God says, that's pleasing to me. 
Proverbs 16, verse 7 says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, look at this, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Isn't that an awesome verse? If we'll, just, if we'll just offer ourselves to God and say, God, I'm going to do everything I can to make my life pleasing to you. I'm not about pleasing other people. I'm about pleasing you. I'm going to do everything I can to walk in peace with these other people. God looks at that and he says, I can work with that. And he can actually work to bring peace into your life. That's a peace that passes understanding right there. Moves beyond your, your mental way of thinking, takes you to a higher place. That's what God wants to do in your life. As your pastor, hear me. I love you this morning. Have I told you that lately? I love you guys. I love this church. I love you guys. I want to help you. And I want to see that verse be true over our church. I want our church to be a church that walks in peace. I want to be a church that, that we, we are able to take the difficult people in this world and minister to them. That's who we're called to be as a church. There's difficult people that are going to come through these doors. There's people that have a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, people that are going to say and do dumb stuff. And I want our church to be a church that's full of grace. We're not going to just take everything, but we're going to love people and we're going to help people. We're not going to throw people away just because they offend us. We're going to love them. We're going to help them. We're going to bring them, hopefully, to a place of repentance repentance empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Maybe as I talk this morning, there's some difficult people that have come up in your, in your mind and your thoughts, some people in your life that you recognize as being a difficult person. I pray that through this message today, God gave you some tools to help you to deal with that person in your life. And maybe one of those tools is to get them out of your life. Maybe they're a person that you need to just walk away from and not deal with them, not play, with their, not play their games anymore, not allow them to influence you the wrong way, to just step away from that and move on. That's okay to do. You have to protect your family. You have to, you're the shepherd. If you're a father in your home, you're the shepherd of your house. And it's okay sometimes to close the door on wolves. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? I feel like that's for somebody in here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today, I'm gonna invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. If you're here today and you need prayer uh, for any area of your life, maybe you're dealing with something this morning. Maybe you're dealing with some unforgiveness. And it's one, of those, it's one of those situations with forgiveness where you've tried to forgive somebody and you seem, can't seem to get past it. Uh, what if you make the decision today? Let's just make the decision today you're gonna forgive them and allow the Holy Spirit to start ministering to you and helping you to move past that unforgiveness. Uh, maybe you're here today and, and uh, you, you recognize some offensive people in your life. Maybe you're here today and God's been speaking to you and you realize that maybe you're an offensive person. Maybe you're here today and you realize that you're a person that's causing other people to be offended. Maybe you're here today and you recognize that you're a person that takes on offense really easily. Whatever the case may be, I want to invite you this morning to come forward and to pray with us. If you're new to New Song, we have people forward every week and they're here to pray with you. We believe that when we pray with other people, it empowers us to receive in a stronger way what God wants to do in our life. The Bible's pretty clear about that. And so we don't want to do anything weird. We just want to pray for you in whatever situation you may be dealing with, whatever it may be, be it sickness in your home, be it an issue you're dealing with financially, whatever it may be, we just want to join our faith with your faith this morning and believe that God's going to do a miracle in your life this morning. So here in just a moment, I'm going to turn it over to David. He's going to lead us in a song. We're going to stand up. And if that's you, you need prayer this morning. At that time, you can come forward and receive prayer. Lord, I thank you for all these people here today. I thank you that we will be a church that is really good at dealing with difficult people. I pray that we will be the kind of church that difficult people run to. 
We invite that here because we're going to walk in grace. We're going to walk in love. We're going to allow the fruit of the Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to come out of us to help people to find the freedom that they need. I pray that anyone in here who's who's hurting, who's suffering today, that you administer to them. And I pray that you draw all people to repentance towards your altars this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.